And so we're in this series called Welcome Home, and our theme verse has been Psalm 92, verses 12 and 13. So you can, uh, you got a Bible, or it'll be on the screen right there, Psalm 92, verses 12 and 13. Here's what it says. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Every week we're opening up with this verse and reading it in a different English translation. You know, they can be translated different ways from the original Hebrew. And so this week in the NLT, the New Living Translation, the godly, of course, what, who are the godly? People who are in right relationship with God. So if you have a right relationship with God, you can live this life of flourishing. That's wonderful. But the word we want to highlight today is they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. Most of them say planted, but it can be also transplanted is, is the word it could be translated. So I brought with uh, up, you know, we got our whole setup here, but this is my coffee plant I brought from home. Uh, it needed a little more water, but it's doing pretty good. Uh, this has been transplanted from my home to here, of course, but uh, this was gifted to me a couple years ago, maybe six years ago or something. It was probably like this tall. It was, it was like a fraction of the size that it is now. So where it was originally planted, it was transplanted now to my home, and I've been taking care of it, right? And so that means for those of us who are here, those who feel like a transplant, you feel like I didn't grow up in church, or I'm ashamed of my background, or I don't have all the answers, or wherever. We are a community of transplants. We've been grafted into God's family. We've been transplanted into God's family. So no matter who you are, you can flourish in the Lord's house. And so we, last week we talked about a house of prayer. Today, really, that's the focus, transplant. We're talking about a house of outreach. That's our theme for today. That's our topic. And so just on that topic, uh, next week we're going to talk about house of miracles as well. Excited about that. Yeah. And so it's been, a, it's been a great series. Welcome home. But Pastor Jeff, I want to ask you, in light of our message topic today, what would you say, in your opinion, is the main purpose of the church? The main purpose of the church, and I'm sure if you were to ask other pastors, they would have all different answers as to what the main purpose of the church is. Uh, in Acts chapter 6, remember how the early church was literally being criticized because the widows were being overlooked? So some would say that the main reason or the main purpose of the church is to take care of its own, to, to visit the sick, to pray for them, to give counsel, to offer advice, to help them through the different transition, transitions of life, like, like marriage and raising families and, and even death, that the main purpose of the church is, is to take care of those who are in the church. And I, would say, I, I wouldn't argue with that. I would say that's one of the functions, but it's not the main purpose. Because if you were to look at church history, we have to make sure we don't fall into the danger of maintenance mentality, where we just maintain those who are among us, and we forget the community at large. We forget the world at large. So many churches get to the point where they just look inward, and they no longer become a house of outreach. So, especially in a... We live in a consumer-oriented society. What's in it for me? And a lot of times we, we come to church thinking, what's in it for me? But 
we fall in danger a lot of times that we have to remember the church is not just here for you, but you are the church, and you are here to reach a lost world. So the way I see it, in my opinion, the main purpose of the church is to participate and fulfill the great commission of taking the gospel into all nations, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands that, that have been given and, and, to be, and to make sure that they know that he is with them until the end of the age, despite all the things that are happening in the world today. And that's why here at First Assembly of God, we value the Great Commission. We, we value missions, we value the ministry of the local church, and we value people. We're, we're going to hit on all of them, but let, let me just say it this way. When any church loses the spirit of the Great Commission, it surrenders the very reason for its existence. Yeah, it's powerful. Uh, I've heard a quote, I've heard it said this way, that the church is the only society or institution that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. Yeah, that's, that's another great way to, to put it. Hey, in, in four weeks, Greg Hubbard will be with us. Yeah. So looking forward to seeing Greg. He was a schoolmate of mine. And uh, he has this phrase that I'm going to borrow. If you've heard Greg Hubbard before, he says, let me give it to you in plain vanilla. You ever remember that? Hey, I'm just going to give it you in plain vanilla. God is a missionary God. The Bible is a missionary book. The good news is a missionary message. And the church is a missionary institution. And when we cease to be mission-minded, when we cease to be mission-minded, we discard the trust that has been given to us by God to make sure that we reach this lost world and this community for Jesus Christ, that we are a house of outreach. So you ask me what my opinion is the main purpose. The main purpose of the church is to make sure that the message of Jesus Christ is preached to all nations. Yeah. And it's interesting, even last week, talking about a house of prayer. Pastor Jeff read from uh, Mark chapter 11. Jesus, he's like flipping tables. You know, sometimes G Jesus, oh, he, you know. But he, he, he was angry at the temple. It was the place. Those of us who have been to Israel, you know, we, we saw the Temple Mount, this huge structure. This is where people came to connect with God. And it was a, meant to be a house of prayer for all nations, not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. Everyone can connect with God. But it wasn't that place. It had become corrupted people were kept from connecting with God. And so Jesus, uh, you know, we read that passage and Pastor Jeff even uh, challenged us last week to take our own temple inventory. Let's look at our own lives, especially with a spiritual emphasis weekend coming up in just a few weeks. And so as he said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Now we fast forward. Jesus dies on the cross. He's raised from the dead. The church is born. And now we see Jesus's words fulfilled in the early church that this becomes a house of prayer. So our main text today, it's going to be Acts chapter 13. If you have a Bible, it will be on the screen as well. Acts chapter 13. 
This is our main passage. This is heading in your Bible, says the first missionary journey. And this is where we're going to park today. And so let's read it. This is a picture of the early church, of what's going on after uh, Jesus has died, rose again. And the church has moved from Jerusalem, which was the center, and now it's moved a little bit north to Antioch in Syria. So among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, and Saul. One day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. And so we see if we're looking at this main passage today, if you're taking notes, this is the first big point to remember that we see. The church is the incubator for missions. The church is the incubator for missions. Now, anybody here uh, still play Pokemon Go? You know, I know, I know you do, Phil. A couple of us play Pokemon Go still on your phone, a little mobile game. You, you ever see someone like this? You're playing? And you get an incubator. What's an incubator, right? It's an artificial, it's, a, it's, a, it's an apparatus to help hatch eggs artificially in an environment or in a hospital we have incubators. You know, people in church that maybe when you had a premature uh, infant born prematurely, they go in the incubator. And it's to help, to, it's a controlled environment to help a healthy organism grow. And so the church is an incubator for missions. We think about uh, how when with an incubator, there's a single focus. There's, there's not distractions on other things. In an incubator in the hospital, there's not stuffed animals in there and blankets and stuff, right? It's a controlled, very specific environment. But it doesn't mean that it's lifeless, not at all. In fact, that potential and that life is being nurtured and stoked and realized, encouraged, right? And so the church, we're an incubator for missions. We're an incubator for spiritual growth. Of course, as people enter church, as they, come, as they meet the people of God, people are nursed back to spiritual health. People who are spiritually hurt, spiritually broken, coming from a broken relationship, coming from previous church hurt. Who knows what everybody brings in something different. So the church is a place of spiritual birth, and it's that place where missionaries are born as well. And so even if you look, again, look at the passage, the heading of your passage in Acts chapter 13, just the heading that's in your Bible, probably says the first missionary journey or Paul's first missionary journey. So we see the very first missionary movement when God wanted to start to spread his message, it started in a local church. It started with that kind of covering. Uh, and so our church needs to be an incubator for missions. And I just want to, you know, want to point out too, when, you know, when somebody has like a call to missions or somebody has a, a special calling from God or an organization even, right, that's missions, but it doesn't have that, that covering. It doesn't come from uh, a local church. It's not supported in any other way. You know, sometimes that gives us, that gives us pause. You know, the way we'll talk in a minute, how we support our missionaries and what's going on there. But I want to give a shout out too to Pastor Bonnie and Pastor Emily, too, this week, they, uh, they passed their ordination interview, which is really awesome. Yeah, we can give it up for them because that's, that's exciting. Right, they passed their ordination interview, so you may be asking, wait a minute, we're, we're, isn't Pastor Bonnie already a pastor? Yes, she is, absolutely. We have levels of credentialing in the Assemblies of God, and ordination is the highest level. And what that means is that there's a covering. There, there's a recognized calling from 
uh, from the Assemblies of God Fellowship. And so when there's a covering, there's, there's accountability, there's integrity, and there's credibility. And so Pastor Bonnie, Pastor Emily have been recognized by the New Jersey Assemblies of God as, wow, you truly do have a call on your life. We see your ministry, absolutely. And so uh, in May is the ordination service. We'll be able to support them with that. But, and so uh, we, want, we want to know that there's a covering. That's why I bring that up. But even if, as you look at the church in Acts chapter 13, the church is an incubator for missions. But among these men, there was a sense of diversity. So look at all the different men who are named. There's five men who are named in this passage. And it's really interesting. You could do a deep dive on all of them. Barnabas, he becomes a significant character in the book of Acts. But he's a Jew from Cyprus. It's a country, an island off the coast. And he was pretty wealthy. He, sold, he, he owned property. He owned fields. So he had money. This guy came, he, he was well-to-do, and he was a Levite. Simeon, called Niger, or in the, in the NLT, just translates it for you, the black man, that's what Niger would have meant. So he probably was black. That's what scholars think. But he also had connections in Roman circles. So he had political influence. He had maybe military influence. Even if he was a former slave, he would have been a powerful man. We see Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene is a an ancient city in North Africa as well. These men were Jewish, but then it names Menaean. I don't know if that's the right way, but uh, uh, Heather is so great at pronouncing it. i got to ask you in next service. But anyway, Menaean, he's a Gentile, so he's not a Jew. But it says that he was brought up, he's the childhood companion of Herod Antipas. So when you read the Gospels, who's Herod Antipas? There was a couple different people who went by the name of Herod. But he murdered John the Baptist. He married his brother's sister. He was, he was an immoral man. He was wrong and he had high political power. So this man, Menaean, was his childhood friend. They grew up together. And now, so you see the two different paths that they took. But what kind of political or significant connections he might have had. And of course, Saul, who became Paul, who was also a Jew, a Pharisee, trained in the highest rabbinical schools. He's from Tarsus, so he's a Roman citizen. So wow, what a diversity of people here, these five men, rich, common, Jew, Gentile, black, white, maybe not white, but you know, the different ethnicities, the different cultures that are represented just among these five men. There's a lot of diversity here. And wow, this house of prayer, they were praying, seeking the Lord. This house of prayer became a house of outreach. And when we say outreach, you know, it's in the name. They weren't waiting for people to come join their prayer meeting. Like, they, it, it, it means to reach out. That's it's in the name, outreach. You reach out, and that's what they did. And so, man, when we see this diversity, thank God for diversity. May the Lord ever increase the diversity that's here in our own church family, that we're a reflection of heaven, that we're a reflection of our own community. I'm thankful that we do have different races represented, different ethnicities, cultures, church backgrounds represented. We have different economic statuses represented in our church. You may be surprised. We, we have maybe some people on different places politically all represented here in our church. You might be surprised to find that out. But I'm thankful that we're not a church that seeks uniformity. Pastor Jeff a few years ago preached a message on that. Many churches are looking to be uniform and exactly the same. But as Pastor Jeff said in that message, I'll just always remember this quote, that which unites us, Jesus, is greater than that which divides us. us. And what I so love about verse 2 is despite their differences, what do we see these men doing? 
We see them worshiping the Lord. We see them fasting. We see them uniting. We, we see them sincere. We see them spiritual. And, and I think that's so cool because that which unites us is greater than that which divides us. And, and I, just, I just love the whole atmosphere of these five different guys worshiping and praising the Lord. Now, as a house of outreach, if, if we are a house of outreach, as we reach out, what are we expecting? We're expecting people to come in. And I love the analogy of the church as an incubator, a place where we nurse people back to life, to health. Because as we reach out, who comes in? The broken, the hurting, the play, a play, people needing a place of refuge. It, it's just so common. And, and let me also say this, that if people are coming in to be nursed back to health, what do we have to be? We have to be healthy ourselves. We have to be united. We have to be a healthy environment. If people are coming into a house of refuge and we are divided and there's discord among us, how can we nurse them back to health? So I, I just love this whole, this whole analogy that we are an incubator. We have to be a healthy environment that we are united together to nurse back those who come in who are hurting and broken. So yes, the church is an incubator. And isn't it cool to think of people like Tara Matthews, who came in as a, a child and is now on the mission field in Costa Rica. Isn't it cool to see like people like Sophie, Sophia uh, Geise now uh, uh, with her mission to, to Haiti? And we were supposed to have missionaries here today, but, yeah. but they're... <laughs> They couldn't come because they're, they're sick. They're not feeling well. But there's also something else, Pastor Matt, in, in this verse that is so important. Don't miss out on the Holy Spirit said. You got that? The Holy Spirit said. Because the Holy Spirit is the initiator of missions. The Holy Spirit said, you know what that means? The Holy Spirit speaks. He's not this impersonal force. He's a person. He's part of the Godhead. And he is the one who called. It's, it's, it's what we refer to as a selective calling. I wish, Pastor Matt, I had a dollar for everyone who asked me, Pastor Jeff, how come you're not a missionary? Yeah. If I had a dollar for everyone who asked, how come you're not a missionary? We could invest in another well at Navajo Nation. <laughs> yeah. But I don't have the calling. If God called me, I would be a missionary in a moment. But God called me to be a pastor. But I have a great burden for missions. We sang that song, break your heart for what breaks mine. What is it breaks the heart of God? The millions of people who slip out of this world who don't know him, who spend the rest of their life in a Christless eternity. It's a selective calling. And, and now there were five men listed, but only two 
were set apart. Only two were appointed. Now, that doesn't mean the rest didn't have a part, and we'll, we'll go to that. But we have to remember, not everyone is called. Everyone is called to participate, but not everyone to call, because it is a selective calling. It's a selective calling, and it's a specific calling. If you look at the passage itself, what's it say in verse uh, 2? It says, uh, to, to appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work that I've called them to. And the book of Acts, it has, it, it lists several missionary journeys. And so this is the first one, so you can skip to the next chapter, go to the end. You see how it worked out. It says that they finished the work. The work was now completed that God had called them to. So it was selective, and it was specific. It was measurable. It was tangible, the work that they completed. And when we were thinking about, you know, even our own church, as we support missions, we support, we support missionaries, we think about global missions, we also think about local missions, too. And w- last week, our staff, we were all at Network Connect, it's a gathering of all the New Jersey pastors, and one of the quotes that we walked away with was, the greatest insult we could ever give to our community is to leave it neglected. That's the greatest insult we could ever have in our community. So we want to, when we think about the work, the specific calling God has given us in our community, the work, especially the last three years of life groups, life groups um, kind of drilling down on trying to make connections in the community and serve the community in different ways. We're so excited about all the different things that have happened. I'm not going to name all of them, but the last couple of years, how our life groups have reached out and our church has reached out. You know, we think of one that was really great was the Kelsey Project. We called it the Kelsey Project because Kelsey Maloney would uh, write cards and say, I was thinking of you and stuff. So when everybody went into lockdown and everyone, you know, we weren't sure what was happening next, our church wrote cards and bought lunch and wrote thank you cards to a hospital unit that our church was, tr- was being outward focused, not just about ourselves. I think that was amazing. Of course, we have uh, the group home, the girls' group home right next door to us. Talk about our specific calling. We're the only church that's next door to a girls' group home. And we've had life groups do different things, sponsor a movie night, did a, a party, a Christmas party with the, gr- the group home. And now just a few weeks ago, a couple of those girls were baptized here at our church, which is really, really special. So some of the really cool things that God has done in our church, I'm thankful for a church that has a missions heart and has a a, a call from God to to support missions. And so we see, again, in this passage, the church is the incubator for missions. We see the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit is the initiator of missions. And as we have always said, We value the Great Commission. We have to value the Great Commission of making disciples of all nations. We value the ministry of the local church because it's the local church God uses as a vehicle to fulfill the Great Commission. But I've always always said this. The church without people, it's just a building. So we value people. And that's the very next thing we see in this passage. Believers are the investors in missions. Who is it that's sending, the Holy Spirit sending them out, calling them to go, but it's the people of the church that places hands on them and lays their hands on them. So as I've said, we're not all called to go, but we are all called to participate in the Great Commission. Now, how are we called to participate? Number one, through the laying on hands. That, that means praying. Um, 
and, and I think of this. Jesus said, pray. Pray to the one who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send workers into his fields. Why? Because the fields are white on the harvest. But the workers are few. So how we may not be called to go, but we are called to pray that God would send people to all different nations so his gospel for the, good mes- for the message of Jesus Christ to be told. But not only pray to send workers, but on the back of your bulletin are, are a list of the missionaries that we partner with. And one of the things that the missionaries would tell you most, the most thankful, the thing they're most thankful for is your prayers. Eight times I found in scripture where Paul asks for prayer. Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. And then the church at Thessalonica. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask that you pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it is. It's so important that in your participation, you pray. Secondly, it's implied that they laid hands on, that's the praying, but then it says that they sent. How can anyone go without being sent? Now, what does sending imply? I was thinking this this morning, and we are different generations, and I'm sure that when your parents sent you off to college, they made sure you had an ATM card Mm -hmm. and a credit card for emergencies. For emergencies. Now, in our day, we didn't have ATMs. We didn't have cell phones. And credit cards were very rare. And I remember getting my first car in 1971, Ford Torino. And my dad handed me an envelope. Put this in your glove compartment box in case there's an emergency. And in there, how many remember having in your car an envelope with money just in case there was a breakdown, there was an emergency. And back in our day, Pastor Matt, we had to roll down the windows and we didn't have cup holders. We had an ashtray. And we would fill that ashtray up with quarters. So when you went through the parkway, you could put, remember putting a quarter in the basket as you rode by? (laughs) But more important, You always made sure you had change in case there was an emergency and you had to call home and you went to a payphone. And in my house, you better have a good reason for calling collect. (laughs) Because collect calls cost a lot more money and it wasn't going to pass by my dad. How come you're calling collect? Well, Dad, I had some extra money. I bought an ice cream cone, so therefore I didn't have any. No, no, no. You always had spare change in case you had to call home for an emergency. Sent. When, you sent, when they sent me to college, they made sure I had the appropriate funds in case there was an emergency. So when we send, we're also talking about participating with our pocketbooks. We participate through prayer, but we also participate in our pockets by supporting missionaries for those emergency needs and for their daily needs. 
Yeah, it's amazing that our church supports now 80 missionaries every single month. 80 missionaries. So that's $9,450 a month. Every single month goes out for those missionaries that we support. And so on top of that, you know, we've been able to use our mission surplus for a lot of different things. In 2023, even, the different projects, we, we always try to celebrate these so you know where your missions giving is going and how God is using it, how we partner with missionaries with our pockets. And so a couple, you know, they're on the screen for 2023, some of the things we've been able to give to. One that was really cool was $5,000 to an orphanage in Indonesia. And we saw some of the pictures of, of what it was like for the kids that lived there and the missionary that was working with them. So we were able to help and to renovate that place. That's incredible that through your missions giving, you improved an orphanage in Indonesia. That's amazing. And I wanted to throw this one out there too. There's $1,000 for an internship, a summer internship in Thailand. And so talking about investing in missionaries, there was a young man who has a call in his life to be a missionary. He was doing an internship in Thailand, needed a thousand more dollars to, to get out there, and we were able to sponsor him. And so, wow, our missions giving, investing in the next generation of missionaries. That's incredible and, that, that, that that's taken place. And I, I saw his dad at Network Connect, Dwayne Danielson. He comes up and puts his arm around me and he says, thanks for investing in my son's life and made the world a difference this summer in his life. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so when we partner with our prayers and we partner with our pockets, that tangible difference, that's amazing. And, and of course, you know, uh, uh, we, we allocated $10,000 towards wells in the Navajo Nation for clean water. And I was able to even go there. Since then, our board allocated another $10,000 to go there uh, to, to help the churches in the Navajo Nation right here in our own country that are, feel totally overlooked. So, wow, how God has worked through us in our diversity, how he's used us in our pockets. And so, of course, believers are investors in missions with our prayers, our pockets, but also our, just our participation our, or our service. You know, it's not just that we allow missionaries to, to go out and spread the gospel and, and we give or we pray and, and then and we're, we're finished. We all participate. As Jesus says, uh, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's a calling on everybody's life. And I love this passage in Third John as well. The, John's third letter, there's a paragraph where he talks about supporting missionaries, actually. Really interesting if you never read it. Third John, he talks about it. But the last sentence in that paragraph, he says this in verse 8. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. We are partners with missionaries. All of us have that missionary heart and missionary calling. And so we partner with missionaries in our giving and our prayer. We partner by sharing our own testimony, by praying with somebody, by sharing the gospel with somebody in our circle of influence. We're the missionary to our circle of influence, our job, our neighbors, those types of things. But we also want to give a, a specific calling, another way that we can work together and partner with our missionaries when it comes to our local community. We celebrated a lot of the things that uh, have been completed, the work that's been completed among us, our global missions giving and our local missions projects. This fall, our local missions project, we want to make meal bags for the homeless. And the way that this has come about, is, as many of you know, I'm involved in the clergy. I'm the convener now there. And so I'm thankful for the community relationships that have been happening. So I know the director of the Emergency Housing and Advocacy Program for Monmouth County, right in Freehold Borough. And when, the, when somebody homeless comes for help, for whatever that may be, helping a bill or finding somewhere else to live or whatever, they always leave the office with a meal bag. 
And so she told me they always need more built bags. They always need more, always. Uh, they never have enough. So we decided our church, talk about a specific call, our church this fall through our life groups and in general, you, even if you're not in a life group, you can participate. We want to be able to be a blessing to our community. We want to be close to the heart of God. And so our goal is to make at least 100 meal bags that we can bring to EHAP and be a blessing there. And so as we've talked about all these different things today, a, a house of outreach, right? Uh, global missions, local missions, the incubator for missions. I think this just really sums it up really well, our lives, how we are to be a house of outreach so we got this can of Coca-Cola. You know, they say it's the most recognizable brand in the world. In the world. Everywhere you go, Coca-Cola, it's the most recognizable symbol in the world. And secondly is uh, the Christian cross, yeah. uh, along with the McDonald's arch. Those are like the three, <laughs> the three most recognizable symbols in the world. And so how? How did Coca-Cola become so big? Their goal was to put a, a bottle of Coke in every single person's hand. That was their goal. But in 1989, they put this motto in the company headquarters. And the motto was, think globally, act locally. Think globally and act locally. Yeah. And I don't think that there's any other, uh, there's a better way to summarize what we're seeing in Scripture and what we're talking about today. Our house being a house of prayer and a house of outreach that we are to think globally and act locally. And so I want to invite Pastor Bonnie to come to the front as we begin to close out. Like we said, we want to go back into a time of prayer. If you're watching online, we want to go over the, what we talked about real quick and want to say thank you. We want to encourage you to pray uh, as well for our missionaries as we're going to move to that time in just a few moments. And so again, like we've seen, we are meant to be a house of outreach, right? As the people of God, the church is the incubator for missions where people uh, are nursed back to health and where missionaries are born. The Holy Spirit's the initiator of missions. Not everybody has that selective, specific call to become a missionary, a career missionary, but the Holy Spirit does specifically call all of us to something, and all of us as believers are investors in missions. All of us are investors in missions through our prayers, and that's why we want to move to a time of prayer because prayer is not just a, a, a colloquial, what, what, what's the word? It's not just a phrase. It's not just something we say to each other. Oh, we'll pray for you. We really believe that prayer is powerful and important. So we partner through prayers, through our pockets, through our giving. Thank you for being so generous and through our participation that we think globally and we act locally. As a Pentecostal church, I say it this way. There's always a call to respond, a challenge to respond to the message of today, to the need of today. And the first need that is represented today is the need to pray for Israel. And, and as Pastor Matt said, he's been to two of those towns that were, were bombed. And, and some of you were in Israel. If you have been to Israel before, would you stand to your feet? You've been to Israel, just stand. Would you join Pastor Matt down here at the altar? All those who have, have been to Israel. You guys can identify the most. Anthony, you, you said you saw some of the horrific scenes and it was just breaking your heart. We want to move to a time of prayer. 
And so let's begin now. Church, everywhere, if you want to stand to your feet, you can. If you want to just join us in prayer, we want to pray for our missionaries, but we want to begin by praying for the situation in Israel now. All, All of us who have been there, let's join in prayer. God, we intercede now for the nation of Israel. We intercede for the Middle East and what's happening there. We know what your word says, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May all who love the city prosper. And so, God, that's what we ask for now. We ask for peace. We're not trying to be political one way or the other. We just want the peace that comes from your Holy Spirit. Lord, we know the spiritual evil that's there. We know the violence that's taken place. God, we ask for a supernatural release of all of the hostages. We think it's grim. We think it's dark. But we know you can do miracles. And we ask you to do it, that you'd release everybody who's been taken. God, we pray for a quick end to this violence, that it wouldn't have to escalate and become uglier and become worse. And Lord, we pray now that those who are believers in Israel and in those surrounding nations, in the Gaza Strip, in the West Bank, in Egypt, in Lebanon, Lord, that they would rise, they would shine, your spirit would work through them. We pray, God, for the things that have been taking place in Ukraine, that, man, a a tank, the missile, it wouldn't work. You know, the gun, they'd go to shoot and, and the bullets didn't come out. Lord, that you would work that way and you would bring an end to this violence. And Lord, more importantly than just ending physical violence, Lord, we ask that you would meet the spiritual need of the people there, God, that people would realize their need for you. They'd realize your great love, Jesus, the work that you've accomplished, that you would break the cycle of violence, break the cycles of hate, break the chains of darkness, break the chains of evil and the generations of evil, break the helplessness and the brokenness, Lord God, and let people find life in you, Jesus. Let it be your kingdom come down here on earth. That's what we pray for today, Jesus. And Father, we, on the back of our bulletin, we 